0: You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast, helping you be your best physically, on the mats, and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast, with your host, BJJ Black Belt, and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Hello you lovely lovely people. Welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today I was going to be interviewing top British grappler, top British and European grappler Ross Nichols, good friend and an old training partner of mine. Unfortunately Ross has taken ill. Hopefully Ross you're, you're okay if you're listening to this. Get well soon buddy. I'm really excited to speak to you. And, you know, if you're not Ross and you're listening to this, send in some questions. What do you want me to ask Ross when I interview him? But, to, but what am I going to talk about today instead? Well, it's going to be a bit of a departure from the normal kind of theme of the podcast, which is typically around physical optimization for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Today, I'm going to lean more towards the mental side of things or the psychological side of things with jiu-jitsu and specifically I'm going to talk about some key books that I have read over the years that the vast majority of them are not specifically talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu in fact I think apart from one none of them are talking specifically about Brazilian jiu-jitsu but I think they have had either an indirect or a direct effect on my jiu-jitsu and the way that I approach jiu jitsu. The reason I wanted to talk about this is I think outside all of the jujitsu classes we go to the techniques that we drill, the strength and conditioning that we may do, the videos that we may watch specifically about jujitsu, the jujitsu technique books that we may read, which all you know have a massive, massive impact. On, um, or obviously on our Jiu-Jitsu right? because you're specifically studying and training Jiu-Jitsu and that's where most of your time is going to be spent but I think there are certain ways of thinking about, about Jiu-Jitsu and also about life and some ideas that you can get from reading non-Jiu-Jitsu books that can have a profound impact on the way that you look at Jiu-Jitsu, the way that you approach Jiu-Jitsu or the way that you approach your life that therefore allows you to be more dedicated and more focused on jujitsu. And quite often just a phrase or an idea can have you know an instant impact on how you how you think about things. So I'm I'm a big fan of let's call it non-jujitsu supplemental reading that I do for self-development personally, but also I think it can have that direct or indirect effect on your jujitsu. So I wanted to share some of the key books that I've read over the last Ten or so years, I'm going to talk about the key things that I've learned from those books. Probably read a short extract from each book to highlight and get some of the ideas in there, and then talk about how I think it's affected my jujitsu, or how either either directly or indirectly. And what I'm hoping that you get from this from this show is, first of all, just planting the idea that. You know, you can read a lot of material or listen to a lot of media that is not specifically talking about Jiu-Jitsu that can shape the way that you approach your life and ultimately Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, I hope you'll get some, you know, specific lessons from the stuff that I've learned and from some of the extracts that I'm going to I'm gonna read. Um, you know, maybe you go away and read some of these books, but the, you know, the, 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 the the bigger idea for me is to plant that seed about, you know, there's there's many avenues. Avenues is maybe the wrong word, but there are, you know, many different ways that you can learn and improve your Jiu-Jitsu. It doesn't always have to be on the mat. You know, so we haven't got, you know, we haven't got all the time. Our body hasn't got the energy to train all of the time. But, you know, when we're sitting there and thinking, what, what else can I do? How else can I improve? I think this can be another another bow, another string to add to your bow. So with that, guys, let's get into the show. Now, before I get into book one, what you're going to realize as as you go through the show is that with the exception of one book that I'm going to mention, none of the books are related to physical optimization. And I've done that on purpose because all of the other episodes, that's what they're focused on. We have a lot of that content already. So I wanted to give you something a little bit different and I purposely stayed away from the the dozens and dozens of textbooks on physical optimization that I've, as you know by now, or you should know by now, I use physical optimization as a catch-all term for anything related to improving how we perform uh, physically. So i purposely picked books that really focus on the mindset, the psychology of things. And the very first book that I'm going to talk about is called Change Your Life in Seven Days. And it's written by Paul McKenna. For those of you who don't know, and a lot of you are not going to know Paul McKenna, he's he was a bit of a household name in the UK during, I suppose, the late 90s and early 2000s. He had a very well-known show as as a hypnotist um and that's what I knew him as until I came across this book and it's not a hypnosis book right he has some audio cds in the, cds in there that are supposed to have mental suggestions but it's not it's not a hypnosis book um you know and then the work that he does is actually much broader I think that's just what he became known for in the UK and this was I didn't. This this, I bought this about 10 years ago, and maybe a little bit more than 10 years ago. It was around about the same time, maybe a little bit after I'd started jujitsu. It was around 2007 and 2008. This is the first book I can distinctly remember going out to buy to solve a personal problem. And if we want to use the term self development book, it's probably the first self development book that I bought. At the time, it was around 2007 2008. I'd just left university, I'd moved to London, I think I'd started training jiu-jitsu already, um, and I'd moved to London, I'd started work, you know, had a, had a good job and all, all that kind of stuff, but was very disillusioned, is maybe the wrong word, overwhelmed, let's say, with the possibility of, shit, I've now got to work for the next 40 years and do this, you know, university hadn't prepared me for this. hadn't prepared me for the reality of facing the big bad world, and I I felt felt I will be honest I was I think I was quite depressed at the time, and I decided to just to do some reading. I don't know why I picked this book. I think I just searched on Amazon. I think it came up, and I bought it, and have not looked back uh, since really. And it, the title "Change Your Life in Seven Days" is one of those. I'm sure he didn't want to call it Change Your Life in Seven Days, but is, uh, you know, one of those things that the, the, the publishers or the editors made, made him do for, um, you know, for marketing purposes, right? It's very, very catchy. And the whole idea is it's seven chapters around, you know, I'll read some of the chapters, understanding who you are, really uh it's one's called the user's manual for the brain um a power of positive perspective dream setting healthy foundations creating money and happily ever after so it's kind of like a very similar to a tony robbins type book i suppose i didn't know who tony robbins was at at, at this time and you know it's a self-development book trying to give people um you know guides and directions for what they want to do with their life and the one thing that stood out for me and still stands out for me is kind of the dream setting exercises that he put into this book and I'm going to link all of this back to jiu-jitsu don't don't worry but um, there's a section called dream setting and I'm going to read a short extract and I'll tell you you know what what I think I learned from it so the, the title of this section is discovering your big dream Viktor Frankl a famous psychologist was imprisoned by the Nazis in a concentration camp during world war ii Rather than see himself as a victim of even such exceptional exceptional circumstances, he decided instead to make a personal study of what were the psychological differences between the 1 in 28 prisoners who survived the extreme deprivation and the vast majority who did not. He observed that those who made it through were not necessarily the fittest, healthiest, or the most intelligent, but rather those who had a purpose to live for, a dream of sufficient size, scope, and meaning, They had a burning desire to overcome any obstacle. Dreams were what kept them going. And another quick quote from further down, it says, "When you're working on a truly worthwhile dream, the dream is also working on you." So that's a specific example of a work from a famous psychologist done in a you know very extreme set of circumstances, but it's you know highlights the power of The Power of Thinking Big. That's another great book, actually, that maybe I could have talked about. But The Power of of Having a Dream and Having a Vision for Your Life. And this was something I think I really needed at at that that point in time. And there's, you know, many exercises in this book and, you know, a number of books. And it's about you know thinking big and thinking about what you really want to do with your life and one of the questions is and there's a set of you know a set of questions but the overarching question is what would you do if you were guaranteed success another question i really like and i play this game with myself time from time when i buy a lottery ticket every once in two years I'll sit and I'll think. Oh, if I won the one hundred seventy million dollars, what would I actually do with my life? You know, take aside. Okay, you'd go on a holiday. You'd pay for your, for, you know, your family's houses. Blah blah blah. After all that's said and done, what are you going to do when you wake up on a Monday morning and you've got all that money and you've got all that free time? And it's a really good way for you to, I think, to set out what you want to do and what you want to achieve. And the reason this has relevance for this podcast and for my jujitsu career. Is I think that was the very first time that I set out and made a commitment that I'm gonna build a life within jiu-jitsu, build a life within Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it was the first time that I set out the dream of at some point you know setting up my own school and having and teaching and teaching jiu-jitsu and, and, and living the jiu-jitsu lifestyle and that's a dream that I'm still working on and you know it's Ten years plus since I read that book, but you know I'm 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 okay with the fact that I'm still working towards that dream and that vision. And you know I do teach regularly now. I've got a very good very good lifestyle built around Jujitsu, built around um, the the BJJ Strength and strength for Jujitsu. So, so I've I've built I'm I've built and I'm still building. Right, I'm still working towards my vision. But the reason that that book was so important, I think if I hadn't read Uh, you know maybe I still would have followed the path and maybe I would have read another book in a year's time that gave me the similar kind of message but I think it had a profound impact on me in you know saying to myself and admitting to myself what it is I really wanted to do with my life and it's been a long path um, and maybe I'm not saying that the path I follow to get where I am is the successful path maybe I could have got there quicker but I've enjoyed traveling that path as well I think is another another big thing and so I think this this book has had a really big impact on me because it, it allowed me to say to myself and it gave me, I suppose, the confidence and the courage to say that, yes, you know, I don't have to work a nine to five for the next 40 years. If there's something I really want in my life and something I want to achieve that, you know, I, I, can, I can do it. I can think big and I can do those things. And if I hadn't got that lesson from somewhere whether it was that book or another book I don't think I would have committed myself as much to jujitsu as I have I don't think I would have had maybe the tenacity to to keep training to get through to get you know to, to be to train and become a black belt and you know become someone who's now teaching people and you know very very close to achieving my dream of having my own school and living and living that lifestyle so that's Book number one, and that's what I learned from it. And hopefully you get some ideas in terms of you know setting your vision and setting your dreams. I've talked about you know vision setting in regards to jujitsu in the past and some of the other episodes, but Change Your Life in Seven Days by Paul McKenna. That's book number one. Book number two is probably gonna be from an author or a personality that I think most of you are gonna have heard of. Uh, Tim Ferriss or Timothy Ferriss, as it says in this book. And this is, I believe it was his first book. It wasn't the first book that I read of his. It's the four hour work week. Escape the nine to five, live anywhere and join the new rich. And uh, the four hour work week, again, Four hour work week is uh, when you actually listen to Tim speak about this. I think he wanted to call it the two hour work week, but it's the whole premise behind the book. Uh, you know, a bunch of lessons that he learned through building a, a lifestyle type business and how you can take those lessons and build your own lifestyle business where you work an absolute minimum amount of time to live the lifestyle that you want. Hence the four-hour work week. So you have a bunch of free time, and or just to improve uh, the efficiency and quality of your day-to-day life. And it's you know it's very good in terms of building a vision, but it's also fantastic in terms of the practical advice you can implement to Im- improve your day-to-day. Whether it's whether you want to quit the day job and start something completely new, or you just want to free up more time in your in your day-to-day life um, and you know a bunch of other things right it's a really it's a, de- it's a very detailed book and it, you know how many chapters does this does this thing have I think you know about about 12 chapters broken up into different sections so for our work we absolutely recommend getting a copy of this regardless of um, you know your current work situation I think you would learn you would learn a lot but the biggest thing I think that comes out from from this book is and the lesson that I learned is to do with time and it's to do with eliminating stuff that you you don't really need to do to get the results that you want. And it's not that that I suppose you could apply that to jujitsu, but it's more to do with what I learned in terms of time management and you know managing my day-to-day and my work week. And that's I think massively important because one of the biggest complaints that I hear for people that want to train jujitsu and can't train enough, whether it's, you know, being on the mark, they want to do strength and conditioning, maybe they want to do mobility, but anything leading towards becoming a better Jiu-Jitsu practitioner it is time. Well, we've all got the same amount of time, but how we choose to spend it differs, and that's what, you know, what really matters. And there are a lot of great lessons within this book, and it doesn't need to be, you know, for someone that is self-employed, but anyone can take from this book and ideas that you can take from this book in terms of how you better manage your time and frees up more time for you to train jujitsu. And I was, I think, very fortunate to read this book at the right time. Maybe I was about a p- blue or purple belt um, at the time. And I was, I've worked and still work for a very large corporation, right? If you don't know this, you know, this is, you know, I want this to be, you know, teaching jiu-jitsu and BJJ strength to be a full-time thing, but it's still it's still a side gig. But I've des- from the point of reading this book, I designed the way I worked. I designed the, the jobs that I took. I designed, you know, specifically now I've picked a work-from-home job that gives me that flexibility, that ability to manage my time that then frees up enough free time for me to train jiu-jitsu. So the, the one section I want to talk about is elimination. And I'll read an extract and give you some kind of ideas, what comes out of this book. There's so much I could have talked about with the four-hour work week, but elimination is 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 the one section. And it's all about what can you take out of your life that isn't really effective on a day-to-day basis. Um, it doesn't really get you the results that you want to then free up more time to do the things that you do want. And that could come from, you know, let's be really honest with ourselves. You know, how much time do we spend flicking through Instagram and flicking through Facebook? Um, how much time do we spend watching Netflix? How much time do we spend doing stuff that yeah, you know, I'm 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 guilty of this, right? I'm no saint, I'm no angel. And I I catch myself, I'm like, shit. I'm I'm flicking through Instagram. I'm no, I know I'm flicking through Instagram, but it's like it's like a little wheel of crack, right? Sometimes it's that dopamine hit dopamine hit. sometimes it's hard it's hard to get off but if we're really honest with ourselves what is the stuff that we can pull that we can pull out of our lives and there's there's that element if it's taking out that kind of stuff but then if we think about it from a work perspective and i know this is not going to apply for every single person's job it, it, you know let's say if you're if you're in law enforcement you're going to need a Need to turn up and do your 10, 12, whatever, however long that shift is. And that's, you know, you've got to clock in, you've got to clock out. So some people, this lesson is not going to apply. But for other people, I think, you know, it could. And it's all to do with 80 20. That this, I'll read some stats in a second, but it's, you know, most of the results come from actually a very small portion of our, um, of our efforts. And it's a Pareto Pareto's law. And I believe we see Pareto was um, a controversial economist um, come sociologist who lived from 1848 to 1923. Uh, it doesn't say where, I think in Switzerland. Um, maybe he lived in Switzerland, I, I believe. But anyway, Pareto's, Pareto's law is all about the 80-20 rule. And it can be summarized as follows. 80% of the outputs result from 20% 20% of the inputs an alternative ways to phrase this depending on the context include 80% of the consequences flow from 20% of the causes 80% of the results come from 20% of the effort and time or 80% of company profits come from 20% of the products and customers so depend this is not going to apply for everyone but i think it will apply for a lot and it did apply for me right and this is this is what i really Took from it is that from my day to day with with the work and the job that I had and the job and you know doing different roles now but still working for a corporation. If I can find out the twenty percent of things that give me eighty percent of my results and focus on making those as impact impactful as possible, making them as effective as possible, then if my you know I've got a very results driven job, then. I can cut away so much that I don't really need. And when you can become really clinical with your day, or at least I could with my day-to-day work and thinking about the things that, okay, no, I don't need to do that. That's a waste of time. This is what we're trying to achieve at the moment. These are the three things that are actually going to get me there. And you beca- I, Well, at least I did. I became so much more focused in terms of, you know, what I can get done. I started to see a lot more results and could do it in a way that wasn't, Didn't mean working. People talk about a nine-to-five, right? But the reality is most nine-to-five jobs are eight till six or or longer or whatever the case may be. Um, But I didn't need to do those hours all the time. And that allowed me to be a lot more disciplined with my time and a lot more able to make it to jujitsu training. And I think it had a massive you know indirect effect on my jiu jitsu and you could easily then take that 8020 rule I won't talk about it now on this show but you could easily take that 8020 rule and think about what are the 20% of my my moves and positions that make me make me an effective fighter so you can really kind of take that take that lesson on so 4 hour work week i huge huge for me and i think it would have been very hard for me if i hadn't start, started to adopt that kind of thinking on my day-to-day life to then have you know a successful career and also train jujitsu at the same time and i was never really you know, all, there were always times when i had to you know taper back on on one versus the other but i was very very rarely in a place and i think thanks to a lot of the thinking in, in that book and other stuff that i read and listened to of i was never really in a place where it, it was i had to choose i had to choose one or the other i just Told myself I had to be effective with my time and and to make it work. So that's book number two, The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. You've probably all heard of Tim Ferriss, probably all heard of the book, but that's a worthwhile investment. Absolutely, that's a worthwhile investment. Now, the next book is a book called Legacy, and it's all about the All Blacks. So i think a lot of you will know who the all blacks are the all blacks are the the new zealand rugby team um it's the, the male new zealand rugby team and i i specify male um only because they have different names for it's pretty cool actually in new zealand so um they have different names for each 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 of the different sports and i think it's the the tall ferns is the basketball team and there's there's loads right there's loads of different different um uh, different variations on the names but it's to do with the all blacks with the, the, the male and um, new zealand rugby team and arguably one of the most successful teams across all of international sport ever if you've i'm a rugby fan i've always been a rugby fan so this has been kind of almost deep into my dna since i was a young kid of how good the all blacks are as a team but to give you some idea and some context as as a team I think since the professional era and rugby became a professional sport God someone's going to need to correct me on this it's thing is in the mid the mid 90s I think since or oh, was it 2003 I might have been 2000 no it was the mid 90s but anyway to make a point that it hasn't been a professional sport forever like you know for example like American football has been a professional sport maybe it's not forever but for a much longer period at least Um, I believe their win percentage is about 88% since since the sport became professional. And over all of the games they've played, or at least the ones I could find online, the chart that I looked at, I think it's over a 100-year period, maybe even longer, their win percentage is 77%. So over 100 years, if I'm correct reading this table, they've won 77% of all their games. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal in terms of in terms of a record. And just uh, um, go to YouTube. Look at All Blacks if you haven't already. They're phenomenal to watch. Some of the most incredible athletes in in the world. Um, and this book called Legacy, written by James Kerr. Uh, Legacy: What the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. So it's written as a 15, Fifteen Lessons in Leadership is another subtitle of the book. It's written as a management book, as a business management book. And it takes a lot of the lessons that the All Blacks have implemented, I think since about 2003 onwards, there was a big change in the culture of the team and taking a lot of those lessons and how it can be applied to other parts of, you know, of life and business. And it's a fascinating book if you like the All Blacks because it goes into the kind of the background and the culture of the team. But if you're not a rugby fan, there's still some really, really good insights in there. And one of the things that really jumped out at me, and I could probably read out every chapter for this book, but it's, they call it Sweep the Sheds. So when they refer to sweeping the sheds, uh, they mean kind of the the changing rooms, um, which typically sit underneath the stand in the in the rugby stadium I think I believe the term they use it for is, is, is the sheds and when they say sweep the sheds they're talking about cleaning up the changing rooms after a match or after a training session and one of the things that jumps out in terms of the culture from the All Blacks is that even the highest ranking players oh you don't you wouldn't say rank in rugby but the most senior players within the t- team will take the time and will hang around after training and after matches to sweep the floors Um. I don't know if that happens in American football or the other professional sports, but I can't imagine it happens for me, in many teams where the, the these are the best players in the sport and some of the best athletes in the world, and they hang around and actually sweep up the floor after the games. I don't think there's a lot of people who would do that in 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 some other sports, and it was an, it's almost it's amazing to it's amazing to read and the whole idea about this section called sweep the sheds is about uh, you know never being too big to do the small things that need to be done so it's an example of kind of the culture and the attitude and the humility of these players and i'll, I'll read out a section and then talk about it the great sports coaches of the past such as john wooden and vince lombardi put humility at the core of their teaching the All Blacks place a similar emphasis on their fundamental and foundational values, going so far as to select on character over talent. The players are taught never to get too big to do the small things that need to be done. And then in quotation marks, Exceptional results demand exceptional circumstances, says Wayne Smith. These conditions help shape the culture and therefore the ethos the char- and the character of the team. So, what did i learn from that and what do i think that means in terms of how it's helped me for jujitsu, and how it can maybe help you i think it's it was it was amazing to you know it was amazing to see and read about that that these these athletes are you know literally cleaning up the changing rooms after after the games and you know you can you can i think there's a, a lesson to be learned and you know when you're at an academy and, and absolutely, you know, helping out wherever you can and cleaning up and sweeping up, etc. But more what was, the, the thought that I took from this more that I've tried to apply for my jiu is that if I'm in a class, if I'm being taught by someone and if someone is making me do a drill, even if it's a drill that I've done 10,000 times before, I, I'm, I, I've never for one minute would think that I'm just because I'm a black belt that I'm, too big to to do to do those drills there's always something i can work on there's always something i can improve in a drill that even that seems very very basic so i suppose you could translate that into you know really focusing on the basics um and being regardless of what you've been taught being humble to know that you can always improve in it i think it's something that i've tried to focus on and you know if i'm if i'm in a class and someone is teaching me and someone tells me to do a drill I'm going to I'm going to do that drill I'm going to do you know what they are what they're asking me to do and I know that regardless of how strong I may feel in a particular position I've always have the opportunity to improve no matter how basic that may seem to me um so I think it's just the it's it's, it's a fantastic mindset in in my opinion something that I yeah, maybe I had a little bit of that already. You know, I think it's very much in a rugby culture that you know you you turn up the training and whatever the drill is you've got to do, you've got to do right, and you kind of you've got to trust in the coach and trust in the leadership. Um, and I'm not saying you know follow stuff blindly, um, but you know, never think that just because you've done something a thousand times before that you're above that that you start going off and drilling and drilling other things. I think it applies a lot to Jiu-Jitsu and definitely applies to me. So that was. Sweep the sheds. Never be too big to do the small things. And that's from James Kerr in the book Legacy. Really interesting read if you're into management books, but also very interesting read if you're into if you're into rugby. Okay, moving on. Moving on to the next book. And I've got one, two, three, three more books that I'm going to cover in some kind of some kind of depth. And then two other books I'll mention really quickly. So we're about halfway there, guys. Bear with me. Um I hope. I hope so far you're enjoying it and you're picking up picking up some ideas, or at least planting that seed for you to go off and you know find your own sources of inspiration. So this this next book is called Dare, uh, D-A-R-E. And the subtitle is The New Way to End Anxiety and Stop Panic Attacks. And it's by an author called Barry McDonough. And I'll give you a bit a bit of the, the context of why I bought this book. I, it got recommended to me by my wife from one of her friends, her husband, had bought this book. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I started getting mild panic attacks whenever I had to do presentations in work, whether, you know, in person or over the phone. A lot of stuff I do is over the phone because I work from home, as I mentioned. And... I, I, almost, almost out of nowhere. It happened, you know, it happened to me maybe once or twice before over a, you know, a ten-year period. So it wasn't really an issue. But then it, suddenly, you know, about a year and a half ago, I would get these these panic attacks and almost completely blank out and get, you know, real, real palpitations and that, you know, shit in myself, but the fact that I've got to do a presentation to four or five people and talking about things that I've talked about a thousand times before. It came out, almost came out of nowhere, right? Completely unexpected um, and very unexpected because, you know, prep, you know, presentations for me and presenting to people is something that has been, a strength of mine for years, right? Something that I've always, I've always excelled at in a business in a business environment, and have presented in front of you know dozens and dozens of people, rooms of people, really, a senior people, and really enjoyed it. And suddenly, started getting these panic attacks out of nowhere. So I, I bought this book on the recommendation that you know someone else had been you know found it very very helpful, and it's the whole idea behind the book. So Dare is is an acronym, and it stands for Diffue, D for diffuse, A for accept, R for run towards, and E for engage. And the whole system, which I won't cover in detail, but just give you a, give you a flavor for what this book about is, uh, book is about. So the D is for diffuse. So when you the, the whole idea is when you first get a panic attack, you do something immediately just to try to diffuse the situation, try to take the pressure off, so to speak. So you would tell yourself that, ah oh, you know it's okay uh, you yeah, know it's okay this is what's the worst that's going to happen if i fall over and pass out well you know no, no not a problem i'll you know i'll wake up in 5 minutes and it'll be fine uh, um maybe that's not the best example but you you tell the the whole idea is you tell you, and he's got examples in the book but you tell yourself something internally to try to diffuse the situation immediately and the next thing that you do the a is for accept is rather than and this is, I think, the main premise of the book. Rather than try to run away from the fear, to run away from the anxiety, you run towards it. You accept it. You accept it. Um, you accept it with open arms and you accept how you feel. Rather than trying to ignore the feelings, heart palpitations, sweaty palms, um, you know, nervousness, you know, the, in the in the pit of your stomach you accept those feelings and you just allow those feelings to rush rush over you and you say things you know within phrases within your mind to to allow that to happen rather than going shit and run away from it and try to distract yourself so it's so the a is for accept r is then for run towards so once you've accepted the feelings Um, Rather than, like I said, run away from it, you run towards it. So you would say yourself internally and you almost address the anxiety. Um, You would say to the anxiety, is that all you've got? Come on, make my heart beat faster. Make my palms sweat even more. Make me feel even worse. So you're running running towards the fear rather than running away from it. Um, And then the the fourth one is going through D, A, and R. So diffuse, accept. Run towards you then get into engage so after you've gone through D A and R and you can repeat this cycle if you need to you should have you know diffused the feelings to a certain point that you start to relax and you start to feel a lot more present and E stands for engage so then you re-engage in whatever activity that you were doing and become present within the situation again. So that's the whole idea of the whole idea of the system and I'll read I'll read a short extract from it and The the title of, of this section is called, It's Okay to Feel Scared. Anxiety can be a really scary experience. Allow yourself to feel scared if that's how you're feeling. Allow yourself to feel vulnerable. The more you allow yourself to just accept the way you are right in the moment, the faster the charged emotion of fear will dissipate. Remember, the wave rises and falls. These are just thoughts and feelings. They can't hurt you. The only power they have over you is the power of meaning you give them. So give them no significance or no meaning. Normalize them and let them pass. So that kind of encapsulates you know, the, the this, this system of the book and, you know, what 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 Barry uh, McDonough is, talk, is talking about it. And the reason I think this has helped me in terms of my jujitsu, too. this is a very recent book for me, you know, read it within the last year and a half, is that uh, the the kind of anxiety I was getting was then transferring over into social situations. And it was also then transferring over into me teaching jiu-jitsu. And, you know, it's happened a couple of times, but I've used this system and it's kind of worked brilliantly where I'm about to teach a class and I've got the class planned in my head and know what I'm gonna teach and I've taught these techniques before, but maybe the class is bigger than I expected. Uh, or whatever the case may be, and suddenly I get this anxiety attack of shit. What if I fuck up? What if I forget what I'm talking about? um And I maybe I would have dealt with it like with all these things, but this has been a fantastic tool for me um to overcome that. And it could have really have got in the way of me wanting to teach, teach you to. I could easily have run away from that, to run away from the opportunities to be you know presenting in public and teaching is I suppose is like presenting right you're talking in front of a group of people um and it could have easily have pushed me in a direction away away from my dream um and the other reason I wanted to talk about this is that I'm I studied psychology at university so you know psychological well-being is very close to my heart and I, I think the more that we can talk about these things the more important um not the more important the easier it becomes for other people to talk about these things and you know, also, I've taken some of these lessons. I've applied it when I compete as well. Um, I never really, uh, touch wood, <laughs> hopefully I don't get an anxiety attack before my next competition now that I've said this. But I get nervous in, in, in um, with competitions and I, f- I find this system is a very, very good way to deal with it, following the same steps, to deal with that anxiety and uh, bring yourself back into focus. So I wanted to mention this book, for those reasons, because I think there's a lot that people could potentially take from that, and any anxiety that they get outside Jiu-Jitsu, but also within Jiu-Jitsu and particularly within competitions, so that's um, had a had had a had a real had a real effect on me, um, and so dare right dare D E A R E the new way to end anxiety by Barry McDonough, right. Well, that is that book. Now we're on to. One more book, two more books I'm going to cover in detail and then a a couple I'll give a short mention about. So the next book is called My Mastery, Continued Education Through Jiu-Jitsu, Chris Matakas. Chris, I hope you pronounced your name correctly. Um, So as you can tell from the title, this is the the first and the only book that specifically relates to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And... Chris, if you do happen to listen to this show, I'm gonna be reaching out to you because I want you to come on and talk about this book. I think it's it's an incredible read. I'm about 50% of the way through it, but I it's, I've been reading it over the last couple of weeks. Um and I want to I absolutely want to um to get you on to explore a lot a lot of these ideas in more depth because I think it's it's fantastic. And the whole premise of this book, but Chris is not talking specifically about techniques or concepts for jujitsu, but how jujitsu is a fantastic tool for developing yourself. And I forget if Chris mentions this quote particularly in this book. I think he may have done, or I may have got this from somewhere else, um, that it was kind of quite a a big moment for me when I realized, or I read and kind of digested for the first time, that what we're trying to master when we're learning Jiu-Jitsu or when we're learning anything else is not necessarily the sport or the art it's ourselves and the bigger benefit of something like jiu jitsu is the mastery that we can develop over ourselves rather than becoming good at jiu jitsu so if you were to think of um, if you were to think of the ego as one example um, or you know how many times you get tapped out how many times training hurts how many times you feel tired and you don't feel, um, you don't feel like going to training. You just lacking that motivation, but you go anyway. Right, there's countless examples, and all of these are lessons that just may, I think make you a better person. Right, it's not to say that you're a better person just because jujitsu, but but going, going through those lessons makes you a better person than you were yesterday. So it improves you personally, and I think that was quite a big moment for me when I first digested the idea of actually it's myself I'm trying to master rather than the art itself and it's a very different perspective to think about things and this is this is a great book because the way Chris has written it is it's broken up into very short chapters you know two or three pages that are not big it's not a large size book it's an A5 size book maybe, I don't know what, what it's called, you know, it's about six or seven inches high, so he's, um, it's very easy to digest, but it's incredibly well written, and he's very selective with his words, and very sparse with his words, so you can take a chapter, stop, sit, and digest it, rather than think you've got to plow through the book, and I really like the way that he's done that, and this could be a good intro book for many people if you're thinking about how to kick off because it's easy to read and each chapter has a very i think profound profound lesson and one of the things i want to talk about is simplicity in this chapter um and the one of the first sentences in this in this chapter mastery is a movement from the complex to the simple and chris talks a little bit about you know his about uh, you know his experience and then we can find, um, here we go. In my own training, I feel my progress has been tracked by how little I have to do to meet my desired aim. Early on as a brown belt, I started to recognize that as I I felt as though I was doing less and less in my training until it felt as though I was hardly doing anything at all. Good Good guard passing is simply getting great body position and immobilizing your partner in such a way where when they have they have to exaggerate the movements to advance, that's when you pass. So, you know, Chris is talking about how, you know, it's it's all well and good, and this fits very much with my jiu 2 game. It's all well and good, you know, having a hundred techniques. But do you have, you know, three techniques that you could do to a hundred different people? And there's a yeah, it's there's a ton of ways to phrase that kind of idea. But one quote that comes from Lao Tzu, which is a Chinese philosopher, I think, sums up, summarizes the chapter, doesn't summarize the chapter, closes up the chapter, that I think is really good. And I've introduced this in the last couple of of weeks of my training. And the quote is, to attain knowledge, add things every day. To attain wisdom, remove things every day. I'm going to say that one more time. To attain knowledge, add things every day to attain wisdom remove things every day and when i when i read this idea of simplicity not to say that i hadn't thought about it before but sometimes you're you're just ready to take on the knowledge you may have heard it but or someone says it in a certain way and a light bulb clicks. And I think that's what happened with with this particular chapter. You know, I've gone into my training and tried to beat people by doing as little as possible. I'm not being lazy. I'm not talking about being lazy and just kind of letting, letting people come to me. But getting into positions and thinking about, okay, how can I pass this person's guard in the in the fewest number of steps? What's the most effective, the simplest way for me to do this? And it's, it's not a technique. It's not... A specific concept to jujitsu but it's an idea that has had a big impact already on how i think about jujitsu and there are loads of these different ideas you know i think some of the some of the other books i've talked about have had um you know maybe a more indirect impact on jujitsu and a freed up stuff in my life to allow me to train more ju- more jujitsu um or, you know, really go after Jiu-Jitsu. Legacy may be a bit more specific to a direct impact, but there are this and many other, you know, things that you can, things that, that I have read that just reshapes how I think about Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I know there's a load of stuff in the Legacy book as well. It's just too much, right, too much to talk about at all. So I'd highly recommend this book. It's it's very, very quick and easy to read, but is but don't don't let that fool you. Just because it's small, it's... And, you know Chris has I think done a fantastic job of cutting out the unnecessary he's made it simple right he's he's kept it simple and 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 you know getting across ideas in a very short brief time and he does a very good job of how that relates specifically to jiu-jitsu as well. So My Mastery Continued Education through Jiu Jitsu by Chris Matakas. Now the next book how I don't think I could do a show like this Without talking about Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins has had a really big impact on my life through a lot of more through kind of um, video and audio sources, but I've sources, but I've read quite a few of his books as well. I think it's the third, maybe fourth of his book that I've read, and it's "Awaken the Giant Within." It's a it's a very detailed, very in-depth book um, that I'll admit I haven't read through every single section because, um. Yeah, it lost it lost me. It lost me in some areas. I'm not going to lie, but there are some really deep messages um, in here. If you can take the time to kind of dig through some of the material, and one section that I'm going to talk about is uh, uh, what's Awaken the giant within. Actually, let's let's do that because I've done it for all the other books. So, Awaken the giant within: how to take immediate control of your mental, emotional, physical, and financial destiny. I suppose it's a a to z guidebook of how to take control of your life um as he says right to take control of your mental emotion emotional physical and financial de- destiny it's really it's all encompassing right in terms of everything if you, you could almost think about in terms of improving your your life is it's potentially it's potentially covered in here but there's one section that i want to talk about and it's the 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 vocabulary of ultimate success and the whole premise of this chapter is to do with the words that we use on a day-to-day basis and the words that we use when we're just brushing our teeth, walking around the house, or when we're speaking to people, when we're writing, when we're um, training jiu-jitsu. The words that we use and the self-talk that we have in our head and the specific words that we choose to use have can have a profound impact on our emotional on our emotional well-being that's the premise of, of the chapter and i you know I, I really i really believe it um and he talks about stuff like transformational um vocabulary and i'm trying i'm looking flicking forward to try and find some examples yeah i'll, I'll come to that section next but i want to highlight some qu- uh, some quotes uh so the first one is realize now the power that your words command if you simply choose them wisely The words you habitually choose also affect how you communicate with yourself and therefore what you experience. And I think that last bit is really important about the words you choose shape what you experience. So I'm looking out the window at the moment and it's raining. It's Southern California, it doesn't rain that often. There's going to be a lot of people looking out the window right now listening to this show, and it's going to be raining also. But maybe you live in a different part of the world, and you could be looking out the window and going, shit, it's raining for the 30th day in a row. Why can't it just be sunny so I can get outside? I'm looking out the window and seeing rain, but I'm saying, do you know what? We get sunshine all the time, 360 days of the year actually, this 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 rain is really nice because it's so dry. My, my nose has been dry because of the... Sorry, my nose has been hurting because it's been so dry. So the, the, the humidity is actually really good. I'm very glad to have this humidity in the air. So two people can be seeing the exact same thing out of the window, but the words that you use in your head have a, a massive difference on how you experience it. And, you know, when we talk about how we perception is perception is massive right perception is is everything really in in some respects and it's the words that we use right it's the words that we use to describe the situation that can have an impact on how we feel and how we react to certain situations and not just you know whether we describe it as good or bad but let's look at um now these are sort of empowering words so let's not just in, in terms of, okay, rephrasing something from negative to positive, but even we're using positive vocabulary, you can go from, you know, using good words to what Tony calls great words and really energizing words. So how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling all right. Versus how are you feeling today? I'm feeling superb. Um, how do you feel today? Yeah, I feel, I feel excited how do you feel today? I feel, I'm feeling ecstatic today. So there's just two very quick examples and I could go off on a whole tangent. I won't, I won't bore you with it. But the section that came out and really for me is the words that we use on a day-to-day basis and the words that we habitually use can have a massive effect on how we feel and how we act in the world. And, you know, where does that come in to jiu or into jiu-jitsu or how did it come in to jiu-jitsu for me I started when I started thinking about this a bit more deeply I realized that when I would go training the vocabulary I used in my head when I fought with different people differed greatly so if I'm fighting against someone that I've you know I, I comfortably beat and tap on most occasions I use a very different vocabulary than if I'm fighting someone who beats me and taps me on most occasions so you know a tough versus an easy roll. So, you know, what happens if I try to use, in my head, more empowering vocabulary when I roll with people that I have a really tough time with? Um, And it's, it's, I suppose, similar to one of his other one of his other chapters um, in this book, or one of his other books called "Raising Raising Your Standards." You know, you raise your standards for what you're willing to accept, and you can do that within Jujitsu as well. But I think what you tell yourself when you roll with these people is rather than "Oh shit, I've got to roll with so and so," they beat me up last time. You know, could you say it's like great? I can't wait to go against this person and test and test myself. I can't wait to you know use this person's skills to my advantage to really better my game just as a, as a couple of examples and for me it's hard I'm not going to lie I didn't suddenly go from being able to you know not tap someone to tap someone all the time it doesn't really work like that but these kind of micro changes I think over the long run can have a much a much bigger impact in you know how you approach training and how you feel about training when you get when you get beaten up right because you can then you, know, you get beaten up and then you can beat yourself up about it afterwards so uh, that's what the one section i would i would i would bring out of this book and that's how i've applied that to my jiu it may seem a little bit intangible but think about it think about it next time you go onto the mat when you go and roll with someone that's re- a really tough role for you um what you know what happens what you what you telling yourself? and can you tell yourself something different that's going to improve the way that you roll, and the way that you approach things. So that's Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Now, I'm going to wrap this up shortly, but I'm going to give two two books a mention. The first is, this is the only physically related book, um, or related to physical optimization, and it's The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCone. And I'm not going to talk too much about this book so We I interviewed Patrick and there's a whole podcast episode eight about the whole idea of breathing less rather than breathing more to improve performance and improve health. That had a massive impact and was a real eye-opener for me in terms of it was already fa- fascinated with breathing but took my insight and thought process into, into breathing into a whole new level and it's had a big impact on my performance as well. So Oxygen Advantage is another really book good book i i couldn't do this show without mentioning that because that's how how strongly i feel about it and then the next book um this is a classic book it's a real classic book i i know i've needed to read this for the last five or six years since i was first told about it and many of you probably have have read this book but i haven't read all the way through it i haven't yet understood and digested it all and it's a book of five rings by Miyamoto Mushashi, Musashi, Musashi. Um, I'm apologies. I've probably mis, mispronounced that uh, mispronounced that name. If you can speak Japanese um, or you're familiar with Japanese names, let me know what that what the correct pronunciation is. So, but I didn't want to talk about this book because already it's it's really reshaping the way I think about jujitsu and training and life. But I haven't read the book enough to really talk about it. So maybe in the future we'll see. Maybe I'll do another one of these sessions. But the one thing that's incredible about this book is you appreciate how deeply uh, Miyamoto Musashi has thought, thought or has or did think about fighting um, and the strategy of fighting, and you know it was his absolute life, almost. If you you know believe believe the account. It was that and nothing else single mind a single minded focus for years and years and years and more than anything else rather than some of the specific lessons I think I can take from that is you just it's eye opening to realize how deeply someone has got into just one subject and what would happen if you went that deeply just into jujitsu it's a it's an interesting thought but i'll I'll save that one for another time so that's it guys so some interesting books for me. They were very interesting books for me, and you know, it's only a snippet. I think of what I have read over the last ten years, but some that have had, yeah, you know, they've they've all had a you know a big impact on my life. But I, th- I think in either an indirect or a direct way, have allowed me to change the way I think about jujitsu, or you know, my lifestyle to therefore approach my training for jujitsu in a different way. So that is that. Get in touch, guys. Let me know what books. If you've got book recommendations, let me know. I'm a big. I'm a bit. I don't. I haven't read as much this year in 2018. Um, I'm going to fix that in 2019. But let me know what you think I should. I should read, or let me know what you think I should be talking about next on the podcast. As I said at the start, hopefully I'm going to get Ross Nichols on next week. Should be a fantastic interview. He's. Um, he's come back off. Just come. Come off. Uh, uh, an amazing win over Gian, Gianna Grippo incredibly high-level competitor. We don't want to talk to Ross about that. He you know, won the ADCC European Championships this year, so he'll be coming over to the US in 2019 to fight in the ADCC. So, you know, big big things afoot for Ross. Look forward to talking to him about that, and we'll get more into, you know, the normal, the normal flow of these shows. But, guys, I hope you found that interesting. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and, as always, thank you for listening.